I'm going to talk to you tonight about choices. And it's funny that, that children were, were mentioned because um, there were so many other things running through my mind how to segue into what we're going to be talking about tonight and, and making the right choice or making the right choices as a Christian. What does that look like? How do we go through that process of making sure that we make the right choices? We could spend all evening, we could spend the entire week talking about choices that you and I have gone through in our lives. Those choices that were great choices and and those other choices that weren't so great. Um, And talk about the impact that those choices had on your life. Those choices that I've made that have had a huge impact on my life. Children being a huge impact. I had a plan when I'm 25, we'll start having kids. That's, that's a huge responsibility. On, on a lighter side, those of you that are married can relate to this. Uh, Sandra and I, uh, some of our greatest conflicts when it comes to making a choice is over what restaurant to eat at. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm coming from, right? Yeah? It, it is. It has even gotten to the point to where uh, used to we would give three choices, right? And and there might be an Italian, there might be uh, uh, you know just a grease pit like time in, and then I don't know something else. All right, just three choices: A, B, or C. You pick them. Wouldn't you know it? She wouldn't want any of those. And so I've, I've finally just, I don't say anything. And if she doesn't say where she wants to go, then guess what? We just go somewhere. Now that we have kids, and we have one that can talk, and loves to talk, and loves going out to eat, guess what? Nine times out of ten, he picks. And I can tell you what his choices are going to be. No, they're not McDonald's or Burger King, or KFC, or anything like that. It's either going to be chips and dip, i.e. Mexican, skins hot dogs, except on Mondays. And it's funny, because I I could not, I didn't grow up in Westminster, like in town, and for the life of me, I could not figure out when Bill's Lucky Strike was open. I just, I never could figure it out, until you move into Westminster, and you figure it out. Now you know when they're open. And you know that when they're out of school, like the kids are out of school, they're going to be closed. i got to figure it out now. It took me forever to figure that out. But it's either going to be Bill's, Chips and Dip, or Skins Hot Dogs. And occasionally he'll throw in Holy Chicken, you know, Chick-fil-A. But I eat there way too much. I don't know what it is about being on staff with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Doesn't say fellowship of Chick-fil-A athletes. It says fellowship of Christian athletes, but everybody thinks that when you have a meeting, you have to meet at Chick-fil-A. I have no idea why. I don't mind supporting it. I, I love Chick-fil-A. I love the brand. I love the chain. I love the owner of the Chick-fil-A's here in this area. But Graham, it, it's 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 not it's it's a no-brainer for him. He he doesn't need three choices. You just say, hey, where do you want to go eat? 
He'll spout it off. Today after church, Sandra wanted to go to a reunion, a family reunion. Now, hear me out. You already know where I'm going with this. I'm not a big family reunion guy, okay? I'm, uh, how can I put this nicely? I'm very skeptical of buffet-style foods, all right? Growing up, my dad, Ryan's, was the only thing in his vocabulary. Like, that was the only thing his wallet would come out of his pocket to pay for, is Ryan's or Quincy's. That was it. We didn't go anywhere else. Occasionally, Pizza Hut, where Verizon is now, that's where Pizza Hut when I was growing up, and we would go there occasionally. But my dad, we didn't... And come to find out, it was because he didn't go to places that served alcohol growing up, when I was growing up, until I was in the eighth grade. We went to Applebee's for the first time. I'll never forget that. Um, but Ryan's and Quincy's, it was, it was never, I mean, it was never talked about. And so I just, for the life of me, I'm, not a, I'm just not a big buffet kind of guy, so... Uh, last night we were talking about it, and I just told her, I said, no, you know, uh, we've got care, and then I'm, I'm preaching tomorrow night. I just, I'd love to just come home and not do anything. Um, and she said, okay, well, we, we're out in the parking lot, and Graham decides he wants to go with me. And Grady doesn't have a choice, because he's on Mama's hip. He's going with Mama, and Graham loves to tag along with me. Well, he goes up to Caleb Tannery. And I don't know what it is about Caleb Tannery, but now he and Caleb are just like, I mean, they're like NASCAR buddies. Caleb loves NASCAR, Graham loves NASCAR, and they just, I mean, they click. And he runs up to Caleb and asks Caleb where he wants to go eat, or that he wants to go eat. He wants to go eat lunch. So I said, okay, that's, that's fine. Where do you want to go? Chips and dip. I mean, didn't even think about it. He already had it set up in his mind. Here's the funny thing. He had chips and dip last night. With my parents, same restaurant, ate the same thing. He absolutely loves chips and dip. It's not a choice for him. He just, whatever he wants. He loves Lucky Strike. He loves Skin's Hot Dogs. For him, it's not that hard to make a choice. But we know in reality, real life, Growing up, being adults, there are some choices that are hard to make. There are some choices that, and we learn and we realize as we grow older that our choices don't directly affect us, but they affect everybody else around us. Some of those choices are generational choices. The choices that you and I make today and tomorrow, guess what? They're not just affecting us and, and, and our children now, but they're affecting our grandchildren and their children. Hey, you know, that, that's where America is today. We know that, right? We know that choices that were made back in the 50s, 60s, even later on, or way on past the 50s and 60s, guess what? They're affecting us today. We're seeing the effects of those decisions today. I want to carry you to 1 Samuel chapter 16. When Kenny asked me last week uh, to, to, to fill in and, and preach for him tonight, 
my mind immediately went to this scripture in 1 Samuel 16. And, and, and we had the meeting Wednesday night, and, and many of you were there, and, and I'm thankful that you were there. That shows that you have a vested interest in the future of this church, which is important, very important. And, and it's my prayer that as a church, not, not just our staff, but as a church, that we seek the face of God not just concerning this decision, but every decision that's going to affect not just us, but the people around us. Kenny asked me, I don't know, it was he popped his head in my office last Sunday and said, hey, do you have it down on your calendar to fill in for me next Sunday night? I said, no, Kenny, I had my iPad. Everything's on my iPad, my schedule and all. And I looked at it and I said, no, I don't have it down, but I mean, obviously I'm going to be here, so. Uh, I'm, I'm good with that. And, and so while I was sitting up in, in my office, I, I, I thought of this, this scripture. Uh, and, and choices, that, that, that word, that term has just been rolling over in my mind. Choices. You know, we all have a choice to make. We all have a choice to make. From, from something as, as big or small as getting up and what time to get up every morning and what we're going to eat for breakfast, and our daily routines to one of the greatest decisions and choices we'd never make, who are we going to serve? Who are we going to serve? Are we going to surrender Christ and live for Christ? We're going to deny Him and serve Satan. It's the greatest choice you'd never make. The single most important choice you never make is who are you going to follow. So First Samuel, First Samuel chapter sixteen. I wanted to read a couple of verses here in talking about the nation of Israel. Is this thing getting a little funny, or is it just me? First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse one. Here we go. The Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn?" For Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll have me killed. Then the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. It was a, a pretty good travel distance for, for Samuel. And, and they were in a secluded place. And so for Samuel to come in the way that he came and when he came, they were scared. They were terrified. They, they, they thought bad news was coming or something bad was going to happen. And so that was why they questioned him. So Samuel then tells them, Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. 
It's important. He told them, consecrate yourselves and come with me. Then watch what he does to Jesse and his family. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord has anointed this man. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammai pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the night. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, not just to study it, God, but to grow from it. Pray that you would sink it deep into our hearts, that it would be something that that we wouldn't just remember uh, tonight or tomorrow, but God, it would be something that we would remember for a lifetime. That when it comes to the choices that you would have us to make, God, that we would seek you first in all things, knowing, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And that, God, your perfect will will always prevail. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I... uh, I thought this morning, and, and I've talked to some of you uh, this week um, or this past week about the things that are going on over at Clemson, and we all know that, that that's just that has just exploded. Um, you know, we, we have a choice to make, and being on staff with FCA, uh, we're targeted a lot more than, than maybe some other organizations because of our purpose and our goal. And, and our goal is to, to be in the schools, to impact young people, whether it's middle school, high school, on the college level, wherever it may be. Um, this attack that, that the, the Freedom From Religion Foundation has uh, launched isn't brand new. Uh, you need to understand that. This is something that, that they have been plotting and they've been working on for some time. Uh, we have a watchdog that lives in this area 
And anything I have learned that anything that we post online, either on our website or through social media, or in the newspaper, they're going to see it, and they're going to call our hand on it. Um, obviously, <laughs> people that know Coach Sweeney knows that, that he's a Christian. I, I love the wording of the article when it talks about that he has interwoven his faith, his Christianity into his program. Duh. Duh. Right? I mean, if you're a Christian and you operate, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the owner of a company or, or a coach of a Division I football team. As a citizen, as a, as a, a man or a, a female, as a Christian, guess what? It better be interwoven in you. It better be interwoven in you. Praise God that we've got a guy that strategically went after somebody to be his chaplain. Now, we can't use that term. We're not supposed to use that term, but it's in my vocabulary, so I use it. That's what he is. And so they've gone after both, Coach Sweeney and our chaplain at Clemson. And they're not going to stop. They're going to go away for a little while, but they're going to say something else. They did with Coach Bowden when Coach Bowden was at Clemson. We have to be very wise and very smart about our approach. My fear, when, when all of this came out, we were up in the mountains, and, and I got a phone call that, that this was going on, that it had hit the, the news. and my, my fear right off the bat was, Oh no, how are Christians going to respond? How are we as Christians going to respond? Are we going to show our ignorance like sometimes we do? Or are we going to be the humble, respectful people that I believe God's called us to be in these situations? And so you fast forward to, to today, almost two weeks past, and you see that Jay Seklow and his organization has got involved, and I think things are going to be okay. I know from a university standpoint, they're standing behind Coach Sweeney and our chaplain at Clemson. Um, I've said this. I think I even told Scott and Melanie Burton this. Uh, you're going to have to fire him before he stops. Uh, I think it's that plain and simple. You, you'll have to fire him before he stops. I'm not a diehard Clemson or Carolina guy, okay? It's hard not to pull for somebody like that. It's hard. It's hard not to. He had a choice to make when this hit the media. This actually happened about two months ago when, when they first started digging and pulling phone records and emails and things like that. He had a choice to make right then. I can either back down... And, and succumb to their, their request and their wishes, or I can continue to do what, what I feel called to do as a Christian coach. And he made his choice. We all know that choice. He's going to continue to be a Christian coach. We have a choice to make. 
every single day with the people that we interact with, the people that we see on a daily basis, we have a choice to make. And I hope you're not around those people that pressure you and that make you feel like you can't act like or be the Christian that you know you should be around them. But I know there are people out there like that. Listen, those people can't intimidate you. They can't bully you. Why do we allow them to? You know, I, I go back to, to 1 Samuel 16, and, and, and if you do some reading prior to 1 Samuel, you, you know and understand that the nation of Israel, we know the, the, the cycle of, of the promised land and 40 years of just wandering when they could have been there in a couple of days but it took them 40 years, and, and we're sitting here looking at this going, seriously, guys? Seriously? I mean, come on. You didn't need a map. You didn't need GPS. You didn't need Zuri talking to you. Really? It could have taken you a couple of days. But we know that they went through that vicious cycle of sin, repent, follow God. Sin, repent, follow God. And they went through that vicious cycle for 40 years years and they got to the place here in first samuel 16 or or earlier actually earlier they had gotten to a place to where they wanted a king they had wanted a king and they went to samuel and they said samuel please give us a king the the men running the temple were, were wicked they were bad they were sinful and they thought man there's got to be something better they thought, so, they thought so also when they were in that 40 years of wandering, didn't they? And they wanted a king, and that, that just broke Samuel's heart. And he, and he went over and, and, he, and he talked to God, he spent time with God, and God told Samuel, he said, listen, listen to them. Listen to them. And if that's what they really want, give it to them. Give them a king. When it comes to making the right choice, we have to know that God already has a plan in place. He already has a plan in place. Whether it's an easy choice or a hard choice, guess what? God already has a plan for that choice you're going to make. Some of those choices might be a result of losing a job, but you know what? God already has a plan in place. Some of those may be for a family member or an illness that you're dealing with or a family member's dealing with and you've got to make a choice. It's a tough choice. Guess what? God already has a plan in place. I was playing golf yesterday in a golf tournament uh, with uh, the, the football coach at Easley High School. Great, great Christian guy. It was said of him when he was hired, the number one reason why they hired him was because he was a Christian. And the FCA guy just went, oh gosh. They really just said that. And it was all over the paper and all over the internet. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. But Grayson Howell is an incredible, incredible man. Strong believer. We're playing golf yesterday and... um, we, we had a shot, it was about, I don't know, 80 yards from the green. 
and uh, there was a sand trap. It's captain's choice. You got four golf balls. Mine's like way over there, and everybody else is over here. And so I go over and I grab mine because I know we're not going to use my shot. And I walk back over here and I'm going, all right, guys, what shot are we going to take? Getting four guys to decide on what golf ball to hit, that's worse than asking my wife where you want to go eat. (laughs) And so I finally just backed up and I said, all right, we had two football coaches and then another guy and myself. And uh, I told the other guy, I said, listen, you can just bank on it. These two are going to talk football the entire time, so we just got to go with it. And so I finally, I just looked at Coach Smith and Coach Howell, and I said, all right, guys, you're the football coaches. It's fourth quarter, two seconds left. Got to make a call. And they made a choice. They made a call. Like that. Sometimes we spend more time thinking about and worrying about a choice instead of understanding and knowing that, you know what, God already has a plan mapped out. He already has a purpose mapped out. And all we have to do is make a choice. That's it. God knew. Even when He gave them the the, the right or the privilege of, of naming their king. Let me tell you something. That's bad right there in and of itself before I go any further. That they named their own king. I want no part of that. I want no part of that. If any of that is in my hands, I'm throwing it away. I'm getting rid of it. I want no part of that. But they wanted to name their own king. Listen, God had a plan in place already. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, guess what? Samuel's mother was praying. The Bible says that her womb was closed and she begged God for a child. She wanted a child so bad that she said, God, if you will bless me, if you will grant me the privilege of being a mom, give me a child, I will give him back to you. And you know what? God did just that. He blessed her with a child. And you know what Hannah did as he got a little bit older? She stayed true to her word, and she gave him back. She took him up to the temple and dedicated him to God for God's service. You see, God had a plan in place long before these decisions and these choices were ever made. Fast forward to Daniel chapter, or 1 Samuel chapter 8. And this is where the nation of Israel is coming to to Samuel and they're saying, Samuel, we want a king. We need a king. We have to have a king. We need a leader that can lead us. And Samuel's trying to tell them, no, you, you don't need to make that decision. You don't need to go that route. Everything will be okay, but they insist on having a king. And they're allowed to have a king. And they chose their king. Here's the interesting part. How many choices, how many decisions have we ever made where we did not consult with God first? Let me tell you something. Those decisions you don't need to make. You need to run as far away from those decisions as you possibly can. Because if you don't consult with God first, I promise you, I guarantee you, it will not work out. Worst decision I've made in my marriage. All right? And it's not a bad one. Okay? 
It was a dumb one. No kids, <clears throat> both working. Man, we, uh, it was just, it was great. Oh, I thought it was great. And, and when I was in college, I, I cut some grass on, on the side. Uh, I had a little John Deere lawnmower, which I, I still have, and it needs a, a lot of work on it because it's got like 700 hours on it, and it's spitting and sputtering. I have to unplug the battery now so it don't die every time and to push it up my yard to jump it off with my car. And I need a new lawnmower or somebody to check it out. Anyway, it was new then, so it ran great. Um, but I thought, I don't know, Sandra and I were married a year, maybe two years, something like that. And uh, I was cutting grass at Oakway Westland Church. That's my home church, and I cut their grass for, for years. Um, a couple of years when I was in college and after Sandra and I got married. And uh, you had so much time on your hands when you didn't have kids. And so I was cutting grass over there, and I thought, man, this is taking me way too long. My aunt had one of those Dixie choppers. She has one of those Dixie chopper lawnmowers. Those things fly. I mean, they'll, they'll, tear the, they'll, they'll tear the grass up. They go so fast. And I thought, man, I need a zero-turn lawnmower. Duh, right? I mean, cutting a big yard that takes me like four hours to cut, I could run faster than this lawnmower. I need a lawnmower that can go as fast as I can run so I can get it done quicker. And then if I get it done quicker, guess what? I can get another yard to cut, and then I'll get that one done so quick that I can cut another yard. I mean, it was just, it was a genius business decision, right? <clears throat> Two things. I didn't mention this earlier. Two things, men, you should do that I've learned. Number one, consult with God. Number two, consult with your wife on major, major expenses. So I get finished cutting grass. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. I'm mad because it took me four hours. They fertilized it twice that same season, and it just, it was bad. And I was so mad. So I take off up to Seneca, and I'm looking at zero-turn lawnmowers. I sit on one. That's it. I got to have it. I load it up on the trailer. I'm bebopping down the road. Things are great. Great. Pull in the driveway, and I don't even get in the door, and she walks out. What is that? It's a zero-turn lawnmower. What you talking about? What is that? I just told you, I still have the John Deere with 700 hours on it. I took it back. and <laughs> yeah. I, I vowed to never make another major financial decision by myself ever, ever, ever again. Ever, ever, ever again. <laughs> right? I won't do it. That's why I drive a Ford 500. And I have a John Deere lawnmower that has 700 hours on it that I have to unplug the battery cable so the battery don't die. I still don't know what's going on there. <laughs> One of the best decisions I thought would be a bad decision was buying the house that we currently live in. Oh, I, I beg, please, I don't want to buy this house. I don't want this house. My dad, her dad, they both said, do not buy this house. Don't do it. Do not do it. You will spend more time working on it and fixing it than you will enjoying it and living in it. And, and I've come to realize the reason why they said that is because they knew that if something broke, 
I was calling them to come help me fix it. I do the same thing with a lawnmower. I call my dad, hey, this thing's spitting and sputtering. It's, I don't have a clue what, what it's doing. And my dad can come over and he can just look at it and tell me what's going on with it. But it's been one of the greatest decisions that we've made. And I can honestly tell you with buying the house that we spent time praying and seeking God's will. I didn't do that with a lawnmower. Now I've learned I will cut it with a weed eater before I buy another lawnmower. <laughs> I can promise you that. Those things are expensive. Man. Here are some questions that I had about that text, though. Why did God allow them to choose their own king? Why did God allow them to choose their own king? And why does God allow things in our life to happen the way they happen? Sometimes when they happen. Man, don't some of the worst things happen to us at the worst times? And why do they happen? Hey, here's some, something encouraging. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. That's a promise that we have. I mean, from the smallest decisions and choices that we have to make to the biggest, God has a plan. God has a plan and a purpose for that choice that we have to make. Here's the second thing. When it comes to making the right choice, it's not made with our eyes, it's made with our heart. Go back to 1 Samuel 16, and you see Samuel, he's, he's standing there, and, 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 and Jesse, he brings his first son up, and, and Samuel looks at him, and he's going, man, man, this, wow. Now, Saul, if you know anything about Saul, you know that Saul was a head taller and, and probably 40 pounds bigger and, and 10 times more beautiful than any other guy around. So, I mean, he was a shoe-in. There was no question that he was going to be the guy. So if that's the case with Saul... Man, this Eliab guy, whoo, there is no telling what he looked like. I mean, he had to be like Fabio or something. <laughs> I mean, he, he had it together. For Samuel to look at him and go, man, this, he's got it. This has got to be the guy. And I, I think it's interesting, too, that the Bible says that, that, that Jesse had seven sons. And Samuel went and looked at the first one, and it was, he thought, man, this, this is done. This was easy. Man, quick job. I'm done. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. I don't look and see what man sees. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. Man, how often do we get caught up? in the material things, the things that, that look good, that, that, that look right, that, gosh, they're just so attractive that, that we just we think, mm, we gotta, we've got to have that. We've got to have it. 
God sees that. God sees that in you and I every single day. Sandra tempted me before I came. She said, Mac, you want a Jeep? Here's your Jeep right here. It's on Facebook. Hey, let me tell you this about our, our students, uh, since I mentioned Facebook. I challenged them about four weeks. I'm going to end up ripping this thing off. Four weeks before Easter, I challenged them. I said, guys, I, I want you to do something for me. And, and not specifically for me, but, but I'm going to do this with you. I want you to give something up from now until Easter. I want you to give something up that, that means something to you. And we had one student that spoke up and said, you know what, I'm going to I'm, I'm do away with my social media. I spend way too much time on it. I'm going to do away with it. And then another student said the same thing. And then another student said the same thing. That told me right there, I'm not saying all of them, but most of them get it. They get it. They get it. It's, it's not about, man, you see something on Facebook or, or on the Internet or on the news or on TV and you go, gosh, I've got to have that. But when's the last time we, we really we sat down when it came to a big choice or decision that we needed to make and we sat down and we went, all right, God, examine my heart and make sure that this decision, this choice is from you. We're going to wrap up real quick. Man, I went way over. And I apologize. Here's the third thing, and I'll, I'll hush. When it comes to making the right choice, we need to simply do what we know is right. I think it's incredible that when we read this text in 1 Samuel 16, you know what David's doing? David's doing what he knew to do. He's out shepherding the flock. He's out tending the sheep. He was the runt in the family. He was the one that always got the short end of the stick. He was the one that always had to go feed the animals when it was cold and when it was raining. But you know what? That's what he wanted to do. So when it comes to making the right choice, I think a lot of times we spend too much time worrying about the choice we need to make when we just need to simply understand, you know what? God's got it under control. He's got it in His hands. And we just need to do what we know is right. And that's follow Him. Let's pray and then, then we'll close. God, we again thank You for the night. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the opportunity that we have to study Your Word. I pray that uh, in some way, shape, or form that, that Your Word would speak to us tonight. That we would take it, that we would use it. Um, and God, that we would grow from it. That we would be challenged and encouraged by it. Help us to be God, more like your son Jesus, to be that servant that has a desire to bring honor and glory to you in everything that we do and say. God, help us to be extraordinary. Help us to be on mission with the gospel. God, I pray that uh, you would continue to bless this church and not just the weeks, but in the years to come, God. Bless this church. May it be a beacon of light in this lost and dying world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.